We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now we're going to jump into our mailbag topic. And the mailbag is always so much fun. It's not Friday, but it's still a mailbag. I've been starring questions as we've gone along. So if you've got questions, please throw them in and we will star them and we'll try to get to all of them as we go here. Uh, But there's a lot of really good questions in here, Ryan. I'm really looking forward to uh, kind of tackling some of this. We do have a couple of super chats that I want to get to first. Ryan Loftus, thank you very much for the super chat. Bama just claimed the number one 23 recruiting class. I believe it's because uh, the tight end from Ohio State flipped to Alabama. I think that probably put them in the top spot, possibly. I thought I saw that Notre Dame was in the top spot earlier today, but maybe that's... It depends. It depends what platform you're looking at. All right. It's like, yeah, one Notre Dame is number two, and then there's two others (laughs) that they're number one. Okay. You know, different rankings and consensus board versus composite. Gotcha. And yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of back and forth. Gotcha. Well, his his question is, do you think that they're a lock for the number one class with four players having a five star uh, ranking in their class? I don't think it's a lock. I was talking to someone about this last night and I was looking at a bunch of a bunch of players that are still heavy consideration for Alabama. And that's not counting committed players that they may potentially flip if, if they flip a couple highly recruited players and maybe this conversation completely changes, but based upon where the board is right now, I still think that it's going to be a very close race between Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio state. Like, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a front runner for the number one spot. I think that it's going to be a really close call. I think that it could be one where there's not a ton of separation at the top either. So can I just say this Vince? And I was talking a little bit about this Brian yesterday and I actually texted him half jokingly about like writing an article about Alabama fans for a second. I respect Alabama so much. I really do. I respect Nick Saban to the unlimited degree. Great coach argument for the greatest of all time. Absolutely. National championships recruiting. He does it all, man. He's a great, great, great coach. And he's turned in Alabama into a dynasty. Yep. But Alabama can be beaten on the recruiting trail. Can we get, like, get off our high horse for a second? To right. Alabama is this undefeatable tidal wave of recruiting. Do they win their fair share of recruits? 
Absolutely. That's how they win, right? right. Like they have good coaches and they have great players and that's how they win football games, obviously. But just because Alabama is knocking hard at the Keon Keeley door does not mean that Keon Keeley is fully going to answer that door. Okay. And I know people are going to say, well, he went on a visit. Well, yes, I get it. And if you want more insight into it, boards.irishbreakdown.com. But people, I, I literally had someone message me yesterday and say, ah, Keeley's gone. Like Alabama's coming at for him. I'm just like, and? Yeah. Oh, just well, Alabama's, Alabama's going for him doesn't mean he's going to go. Like Alabama just got Caleb Downs. They just got the uh, defensive lineman out of Alabama. The uh, uh, the kid's name escaped me. Notre Dame was recruiting him for a little bit, and then they Hunter okay. Osborne. And oh. Just like yeah. So he's not. They were making this big deal. Oh man, Alabama's continuing the streak. I'm like, they got an in-state defensive lineman. Like, why? How would they? Anyway, anyway. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. I'm getting a little sidetracked here. All I'll say is this: Notre Dame, I don't think is going to back down from Alabama. I know they're not going to back down from Alabama. I don't think they're worried about any other school. I think that they are just playing their game and they are targeting the players that they want to target. I know their name has, has the, the target on their back because they had the number one class in pretty much every platform for a very long time. And Keon Kelly is a guy that just went down to Alabama for a visit. I get all that. But you also have to understand that this, this staff, in my opinion, is a very competitive staff. Oh, yeah. And just because it's Alabama – does it mean that they're just going to stop recruiting Keon Keeley and just let him flip, right? Like, it's not – is it going to be a battle to keep him? Of course. He's a five-star top ten player in the he's country. He's arguably like, the number one player in the country, depending on how you look at number one players in the country, yes. okay? Yes. He, he, people are going to come after him. It's called yep. big boy recruiting. Like, if you want to be – you want to play with the big boys, it goes down to the wire. It always does. Yep. And so. I, and I just really wanted to say that because, again – Full respect, Alabama. They're going to have a top two to three class in the 2023 cycle, as they always do, right? They had that string of number one classes for the longest time. Like, they are a dominant recruiting program. Of course. But let us now move past the fact that you don't compete with Alabama. Can we stop that, please? This is not recruiting down a different aisle anymore. It's not (laughs) that anymore. (laughs) Notre Dame got an early commitment from a premier elite-level prospect, and it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to flip to Alabama just because Nick Saban started calling and he took a visit. Okay. There's a lot of things behind the scenes here and we'll disclose information as we see fit. And as we can, all I'm saying is that in order to be the best where Notre Dame wants to get, you have to compete with the best and guys, you have to get used to this. It's going to happen. You're going to compete to keep guys like Peyton Bowen and Keon Keeley in, in your class. It's going to happen. But why were you shying away from that competition? I know Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame staff certainly isn't shying away from it. Yeah, and it's a good thing that some of the fans out there, not the ones on our board, because they're awesome. But like, it's a good thing some of our fans aren't recruiting these kids for Notre Dame because oh, you got an Alabama offer. We're out. We're out. You know, like guys, just relax. Everybody, relax. Take it down a notch. And relax and don't worry about all the clickbait that's out there for all you know about all of this. It's that's just what it is. It's clickbait. So I will say that. And if you want the best intel possible, check out Irish Breakdown the boards, boards.irishbreakdown.com. You're gonna have all the information that you need, and you won't be freaking out as much, and you'll be able to get a good night's sleep. Okay, so Go check can, that out. Can, can I say one more thing, Vince? Because no. I, I just saw I just saw a, a comment, and I'm not going directly at Steve Kerr here, but he said you're missing the point, guys. Alabama will dip into the NIL and leave Notre Dame in the rears. I know Keeley's uncle wants him to look around. Steve, 
just because NIL is now a pretty way of saying that you're going to pay players. This is not the first time that Alabama has paid players. I hate right. this to you. It's not the first time that any school has paid players. They had literally Al- Keon Keeley specifically has committed to Notre Dame. And if, if you think that he wasn't getting offered money before now, then you are <laughs> completely mistaken, my friend. Okay. I get the NIL stuff. It is a conversation. It is a talking point. It is a strategy, 100%. But this is not the first time Keon Keeley has gotten an offer, all right? This is not the first time that Alabama has forked over money to a recruit or offered the fork money over to a recruit, as much as Nick Saban wants to say it is, okay? So can we please leave the NIL stuff out? Because that's already been presented to Keon Keeley. As of now, he's committed to Notre Dame. Thank you. There you go. Again, not every kid is looking for a sack of money. That that's just not the way it goes. I mean, so that also has to be said, you know, guys are coming to Notre Dame for the long, the long picture, the long game, not the blank check up front. Okay. So, you know, anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. A hundred percent. A hundred. I'm sorry. I'll I'll round up after these comments, man. I'm sorry. Oh, I love it. Yes, we had a great conversation, man, talking defensive football. And I see a Keon Keeley's name like 17 times in the chat. I'm like, man, come on. Come it's on. never going to go. It's not going to go away till February. You know that. Yeah. It's never yeah. going to. It's not going to go away, which is why I'm advocating for an August National Signing Day. Okay. August and December. Those are your two National Signing Days. This isn't 1987 anymore. You don't need a signing day in February where, because back in the day, most of the recruiting was done from the end of the season to February. That's when you did your recruiting. The biggest weekend at Notre Dame was the banquet at the end of the season. All the recruits would come in for it. Two weeks later, you have National Signing Day. That is not the case anymore. They- Brian talked about that yesterday, man. It makes a lot of sense if you if you did that split signing day with, the, with those time frames. It would make a lot of sense. It really would. August, December. And I can tell you, a ton of guys are going to want to sign in August just to get it done with before their senior year. They don't have to worry about it. It just is done. So, anyway. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Absolutely. Get off my soapbox. We had one more super chat from Randy Hernandez. Thank you very much, Randy. He says you guys are forgetting about the most important defensive position. That's defensive coordinator Al Golden. Randy, we did not forget about Al Golden. We let off the show with Al Golden. So make sure you check out the beginning of the show. And we wouldn't have let off with him if we didn't think he was the most important. So we agree with you wholeheartedly. Randy, thank you for the super chat, but definitely check out the beginning of our show and uh, you will see everything that we had to say about it. Yep. Thanks, Randy. Yep, absolutely. Bill Walsh, who do you think will lead the team in tackles this year? I'm going with Bertrand. He was thrown in the deep end last year and played well. Will be even better now that he's at middle linebacker. You can you can sell me on J.D. Bertrand because, I mean, a lot of thing is kind of cycled to the middle linebacker. But I'm going to sure. take Maris Loifel because I think that just the ability he has to work in pursuit and the tackle radius he has, I think he's going to make a lot of plays, man. Like, not just in the box, working in the perimeter, cut on cut in coverage reps. Like, I, I just think that he's a player that you do not take off the field, and I think that he's going to get to a lot of plays. So as long as he's healthy and he is the player that I think he is, then I'm yeah. going to go with Maris Loifel pretty comfortably. I don't. I wouldn't say it's like a runaway, but like yeah. pretty comfortably. Well, it, I mean, look, you can't go wrong with either one of those guys because the way the defense is set up, it filters it into the two inside linebackers, right? So mm-hmm. Will or Mike are going to be the choice. It's just who do you think is going to have more? I also agree with you. I think Maris is going to be that guy because I think he's going to be a little bit more disruptive. He's going to be a little bit more all over the place as opposed to, <clears throat> excuse me, as opposed to JD, but that's the nature of the position too. So I, I will also go with Marist, but I think JD will be second. And I don't think it'll be close. And then the third one, I think will be even further down, but um, right. I think those two are going to be right up there. I have to, I have to bring this one up because I started reading it in a very negative way. Uh, Chris Davison says, I got to call you out, Vince. I'm like, oh, great. What is this about? He goes, you're lining about signing up and getting a good night's sleep. I signed up yesterday and I was up until midnight on the board. (laughs) So you're right, Chris. Uh, First of all, thank you for signing up. Really appreciate that. Uh, But you're right. There's so much good information. There's so much good intel. There's so much good conversation. You can get sucked into a black hole of the board. Sure can. Someone someone said on the board yesterday, Vince, that they were losing their mind following recruiting. And I just commented, I just said, imagine covering it (laughs) (laughs) it really is man like i wake up at 5 30 in the morning every day i go on the board and i'm just like how are they already having this many great conversations and then when i go to bed at like 10 30 because i'm an old man i'm just like geez man they're still going they just don't stop it's fantastic i love it man it's a great community it really is yeah no doubt about that that's awesome um, we do have another super chat from Mark E. Stewart. Thank you very, very, very much, Mark. He goes, you guys must live in some weird bubble if you think NIL is not a major factor. Everyone has a price. I'll, I'll let you answer that one first, Ryan. I, I would just like, Mark, and this is all respect to you, sir. And first and foremost, thank you so much for the super chat. Yes. I really appreciate it. I know Vince really appreciates it. We all really appreciate it here. Who said that NIL wasn't a major factor? I, I just would like to start there, right? My question is for you, is that just because now we can label thing an NIL, 
does not mean that this is the first time that money has been given, right? right? It is not, this is not the first time that money has been part of a recruitment, right? right? That's my major pushback. It's always been a factor. There's no doubt. And there are it a lot of players. Right. I mean, it wasn't out in the open. I mean, that's sure. A, I mean, anybody ever seen blue chips? That was in the early nineties. Okay. I mean, yes, it's a movie, but it's based on reality. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's always been around. hundred percent. Yep. No, no, no. You're fine. It's, it's just a different label to your point now. Right. Like you can, you can say now that, you know, this is NIL money, but like, you know what it is. Like, yes. let's be honest with it. Right. There's a lot of handouts out there right now. And we've seen it. It's, it is a thing. And there are some people that are using NIL the very right way. And I'm right. in favor of NIL. I'm in, I'm so in favor of players being able to make, make a profit off of their name, image, and likeness. I really am. But this is not the first time it's happened, Mark, to my point. And the other side of the point is that there is, there's going to be some players that are, that's all they care about, right? That's what their families care about. Absolutely. They want to make the quick buck. Sure. But those players aren't going to commit to Notre Dame anyway. That's right. one thing, right? right? Right. And then the other part of it is, is that Notre Dame players have the ability to make money. Right. Right. They make money. I, I, who, I don't. Who saw the video about the uh, uniform unveiling? Everybody, right? The players involved in that video made money making that video. Okay. Yeah. That's an NIL opportunity. There's yeah. ways to make money while you're at Notre Dame. Again, it's the long game. It's not a blank check when you sign up. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's the long game. Notre Dame is a brand. Nobody's going to argue that. Nobody's going to argue that Notre Dame is a well-known brand. If you are successful at the University of Notre Dame, you will get opportunities in the NIL marketplace. There's no question about it. So, yeah. And and all I'll say is like if – so if it was a player that is making a commitment and has not committed to Notre Dame, right, like they're in the in-between – NIL, if it's important to them, can absolutely be the difference maker for making a commitment to one school or the other, right? right. And it, for a lot of players, it could be the main criteria for making a decision. I understand that. It's a very big factor to your point, Mark. It is 100%. My point is, is that like specifically in a player, and I'm going to keep using Keon Keeley's example because that's the only person everyone wants to keep talking about. And so like, let's do it, right? Keon Keeley, Mark, do you think that Keon Keeley wasn't offered money until right this second is that is that what you think because i can assure you that that is not true (laughs) it is not it's not but to your point i apologize if i made it sound like nil wasn't a major factor because it is it is 100 a major factor no doubt about it Mm -hmm. no doubt about it and guess what notre dame recruits are going to be involved in nil they are it's just different it's just different that's what i'll say yep all right Back up to the top here from Matthew Maple. What's everyone's thoughts on Ricky Collins decommitting, Mr. Recruiting Analyst? Yep. So he's out of the state of Louisiana. He was committed to Purdue for a while. Solidly for a while there, too. It seems, Vince, I don't know if you saw the the decommitment post he made, though, where he basically said, like, thank you to some parts of the coaching staff. And he said, um, he said, you know, for whatever, this is me paraphrasing, but he basically said that they had kind of stopped talking to him (laughs) really like it just like uh, conversations and communication. It just kind of stopped abruptly. So bad on them because Ricky Collins is good. He's good quarterback. He's a really (laughs) good quarterback. So the first question that people are going to ask is, you know, he was going to a, a, 
he was going to go to a school in Indiana anyway, right? So, like, Notre Dame going to be involved there. To my knowledge, and from what me and Brian have talked about, he was on Notre Dame's radar before, but I don't imagine he's going to be on moving forward here as of right now. Can that change? Sure. I think it can. And I would absolutely pick up the phone because I think that he's a good football player. I like Ricky Collins a ton. Everything I'm hearing and seeing, I'm going to guess this is an LSU move, right? Like, I think that that's where this one is trending right now. Could Notre Dame get involved? I think so, but I, I don't think that it's in the cards right now. Right now, Notre Dame has its eyes set now that Austin Novosad made his recommitment to Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. I think that this is a Kenny Minchie type of conversation right now. I think that that is their main target on yeah. the board for Notre Dame. Agree. There, there was a one-two situation there, and there wasn't really – from what I can gather, there what there isn't really a three, four, five kind of. I mean, I'm sure they've got names on the board and guys that they're talking to, but those were the two main guys that they kind of targeted after the other guy left uh, and went someplace else. So th- those were the main two guys. And so if they don't hit <clears throat> with Kenny Minchie, then maybe they go back to the drawing board a little bit. Maybe they reach out to Ricky Collins. But look, Ricky Collins isn't decommitting from Purdue if he doesn't already have a pretty good idea of where he's thinking about going. That's my opinion. That he, it's not like he called me up and told me it's that. Usually, usually the case, yeah. Yeah, I would say you're usually right about that. Yep. Yeah. So, but obviously, he was frustrated about something at Purdue too, um, which is very interesting. You would think you got a guy like that who would be a generational style quarterback for Purdue, for yep. Purdue. Want to hold on to that guy, but kind of dropped the ball, I guess. Yeah, I would love to hear the backstory, man. I hope someone puts oh, yeah. out a story of Ricky yeah. Tisha behind the scenes. Like, wh- why would you stop talking to that kid? It's just so yes, weird. It's such a absolutely. weird situation. Absolutely. Uh, another super chat here from Kyle Barry. Thank you very much, Kyle. Switching gears here. Stadium atmosphere at Notre Dame. What can Notre Dame do to keep opposing fans from taking over the stadium? For example, Georgia in 17, Cincinnati in 20. Don't well, don't sell your don't sell yeah. your tickets. <laughs> don't yeah. sell your tickets to the opposing fans. I mean that that's what it is. And Frank, what can Notre Dame do? Win. I mean, Put win a product on the field. Yeah, right. better product. Win those big games, and then you know fans aren't going to be getting rid of the tickets that they don't want to watch the games because they will want to watch a winning team. Is Notre Dame a winning team? Yes, they are a winning team, but they are not an elite game winning team. Once they start doing that, once they start winning those elite games, which they have at least two of on the schedule this year, mm-hmm. you're going to see team our fans not want to give those tickets up. You know, so a good product provides an opportunity for fans to stick around. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but that's that's easy. And I will also say they need to lower the ticket prices because <clears throat> they have priced out the local fan mm-hmm. uh, big time. Big time. It's, it's not like back in the day when we were in high school and I would walk around the stadium and be able to buy a ticket for 20 bucks and go watch the sure. team. You know what sure. I mean? Like that is, yes, I realize there's inflation and there's all of those different things, but it's, it's almost impossible for the local fan to go watch a game. And those are yeah. your rabid fans. Those are the guys you want in the stadium. You you also have a national brand. So, I mean, like myself, for instance, right? Like I'm coming to the, the first home game against Marshall and I'm in New Jersey, right? So, like, I'm taking a plane that I got a good deal, Vince. Like, round trip, 166 bucks, which is Ooh, awesome. But I'm still is. spending 166 to get there and back. I'm still spending $80 on a ticket. I'm still spending X amount on a on a uh, on a rental car rental car for a couple of days. I'm still right. spending X amount for a 
for a room in a hotel, right? So like those things add up. So even if you're not a local a local fan to your point that makes it super accessible, it's also the national perspective of people all around the country are Notre Dame fans. So right. you have to make it more attractive by let's be a little more thoughtful about the prices of things. Let's right. make the, at, the atmosphere of the game day better. Let's make sure that the the product that's on the field makes you want to come watch the game. Like, I mean, I went to the Cincinnati game last year and it was a part of this question where it was just red everywhere, man. And it was like a great day and I had a lot of fun, but then you get to the game and it's just like, why is there more red in here than blue and gold? Like it doesn't make any sense. Right. So those are a few of the things though that I think can help for sure. Nope. No doubt about it. Completely agree with that one. And Archer says the next time you come into town, you just crash on my couch. Probably wouldn't even notice you're here with all the kids. So come on down. Well, I was about to say Vince has a lot of a lot of people in his household, though. So I don't know if there's much room. <laughs> they probably wouldn't even notice you were here. So uh, but thank you uh for the super chat and all that fun stuff. So back to the top, Tyler Binge Ryan. It's for you, buddy. Is there a reason that we don't hear about special about the special teams coach more often in recruiting? He seemed like a very charismatic coach and could be helpful or helpful, hopefully, to create a better relationship. So, Tyler, I, I feel like it's not mentioned as much in, like, the media sphere, but I've talked to a lot of recruits that talk about Coach Mason as far as, like, one of their first points of contact, right? So, I mean, specialists, you're not going to get many specialists just, I mean, you're going to get a kicker every couple years to continue cycling that, a punter every couple years, and you don't really get players that are just strictly for special teams other than punter, kicker, long snapper, Right. But there are, I can guarantee you, especially in the 2024 class, there's a lot of players that I've talked to that say like, oh, yeah, I talk to Coach Mason all the time. I talk to Brian Mason every week or every two weeks. So he's more involved than you think. But it's just the simple fact of like he's not like Brian Mason's not going to be the main recruiter for Keon Keeley, for instance. Right. He's not going to main recruiter right. for Drake Bowen. He's right. he's not a position coach in that sense. He's a coordinator of the whole special team. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a little bit of a unique position, but I can guarantee that he does have definite responsibilities on the recruiting trails and he does talk to a lot of kids. Well, and I will also say that from a firsthand uh, situation, he, <clears throat> he ran all the summer camps uh, or he was the face of all the summer camps, I should say. So uh, every single summer camp that they had, whether it was the little kids, the special teams camps, the Irish invade, all of that, he ran them. Like he was up in front, he was telling guys what to do. He was bringing them in. He was sending them to stations. He was doing all of those things. So he was the face of the program for the camps side of things too. And a lot of that during that time, coaches were out and about doing other things with recruiting and things like that. So, you know, it's kind of the, somebody has to mind the store while, you know, the coaches are out and about. Right. So that was kind of his gig and he did a really good job with that. I will say that. So um, coach Mason's plenty busy. That's for sure. But you're right. If he's not the actual position coach, it's tough. He'll sure. reach out to kids it's and he'll unique. be Yeah, absolutely. No question about that. Vince, can I say that you were on point today, sir? You are running this show. I mean, it's <laughs> you're like Brian Driscoll 2.0 right now. Oh, buddy. that's a compliment right there. That is. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <clears throat> John A1, our buddy John jumping in uh, with a question. We always love that. Can you guys discuss sub packages? The speed rush is pretty common, but what about short yardage, et cetera? Base spread, oh, defense versus 12 personnel, pro offense, defense. What would you project for Notre Dame's 22 RST? 22, I don't know, the package, I guess, 22. Let's call it that. 
Yeah. John, I think that we should turn this one honestly into a full, like, you know, yeah. coaching one-on-one type of thing, right? right. Like, cause I feel like we can diagram so many cool things. The ba- I, I, I'll go over the basics real quick. Right. So Notre Dame is a four, two, five base, right? So four down linemen, two linebackers and five defensive backs. They're going to have also moments where they're in a three man front. It's going to look more like a three, three stack type of look, or even a three, two, to um three two six right because you're going to get right. multiple defensive backs on the field so in so in when now that the nfl uh, nfl now that, col- that f- college football and the nfl are such heavily dependent on the passing game right you're seeing most teams now going to a sub package more often than not i think last year in the nfl and i know we're talking about college football but the nfl i'm pretty sure the seattle seahawks were the only team in the nfl that ran base defense more than 50% of the time. So the majority of the game now is yeah. sub package and that is going down to the college football game. There's no doubt about it. 100%. There's guys in the booth, their only job is to watch the sideline of the other team and see what personnel is coming on so that they can get the other the the, the personnel that they've decided matches up the best and get that personnel group on like that. I mean, look, they stopped the game to allow personnel changes. That never used to be the case. So now that, now that they do that, because you see the, the, uh, the, the back referee, not the guy with the, the white hat, but the other guy who's in the back, he comes up, he'll literally not allow the snap to take place while the defense has a chance to sub based on what the offense did. That allows you to have more sub packages because of the yeah. rules. If you didn't have those rules, you wouldn't have as many sub packages, frankly. Um, but that allows you to sub on and off based on what the offense is doing. So there's there's a bunch, to be honest with you, whether you're, like you said, put it in the speed rush, bring it in the nickel, bring it in a dime, you know, whatever the case may be, there's more nowadays because the rules allow it, frankly. Um, yeah. So teams do it. If they're going to allow you to do it, why would you not do it? 100%. And I mean, Four two five is such a great defense, and you know I I, really I think it allows you to match up so much better without having to do sub packages. It's so easy to to substitute Vince because it's right. like I, I I studied it so much when I was in high school because I was a, I loved Gary Patterson and everything he did at TCU, yep. and it's just like four like two five four two five like yeah oh, yeah but, he is and it's just like four two five you have that rover okay the rover's kind of more of a linebacker right let's take him out of the game. We're going to put a nickel in, right? So then you're in your nickel. Like, that's easy, right? Right. And then you take out another one of the linebackers. You leave your linebacker in because that's a dime linebacker, right? You have one linebacker on the field. The other linebacker is out, and you put another defensive back on the field. So at that point, you have a 4-1-6, right, at that point, right? So the six defensive backs is dime. Five defensive backs is nickel. And, you, you, John, usually, especially in Notre Dame, you're going to have a four-man front. You're going to have a three-man front at times. Goal line situations, you might see a five-man front just bringing up a linebacker sure. on the line of scrimmage or t- subbing out a linebacker to get another defensive lineman on the field. Or you might even see a six-man front at times. Like that, You see that on yeah. goal line situations especially. So that's just briefly some of the things that you'll typically see from a from a sub-package perspective and a goal line perspective. But again, I already wrote it down on my notepad here that good I think show, that that's man. a really good show that uh, all of us could do, honestly, because all of us have coaching backgrounds. So that would be right. a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. I know Brian would be all about that one for sure. Yep. Garen uh, jumps in. He says, what is the over-under on the number of captains from the defensive side of the ball? I got three and a half, and I'll take the over. I don't think I see more than two 
on the offensive side of the ball. That's interesting. So, I mean, Vince, I, I think where we should start here for Garen's question is what defensive players do you think are included in his three and is in his four that he's, that he's thinking about. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. So J- Jason Adam Alola is definitely going to be a captain. I think Fosky, like that would be a, a great opportunity Fosky. to be a captain. Sure. To be honest with you, Justin has a great opportunity to be a captain. I think, I think he's I think, yeah. from what I've heard. I think he's a, he's a leader on this team as well. So that's, that's three from the defensive line alone. Brandon Joseph, maybe. I, maybe. I mean, all American, definitely possible. You sure. know, uh, Cam Hart, I think, has an opportunity to be a captain. Um, I, you know, he's got leadership qualities about him. Yeah. Kind of think from the linebacker. I mean, I think, I think it's a, lot, a leader, but I don't know. I don't know. Sure. If we'll see uh, as far as the defense or as far as linebackers are concerned. I don't see Maris. He's a first-time starter. I don't see him being a captain. I, you know what? I could see, um, I could see Bo being a captain, more of like a special teams captain. Right. I guess. I guess that's my biggest question: is would he be your special teams captain, or right. would he be one of the defensive captains? That's a good right. point. I could see him being like the special teams captain. I mean, that's where he's made his mark. There's no doubt about that, right? And, so, and me and Brian. Me and Brian talked about the offensive side of the football the other day. I, I mean, guys like Jared Patterson came up. We talked a little bit about Michael Mayer, obviously. Avery Davis is Davis. the returning captain. Yep. So you would think yep. that he would have another good shot there. So That's three right there. Garen, I would say – so now I guess we pick the over-under, three and a half. Would you take the under or over on that one, Vince, for defensive Spencer. captains? See, the other thing we don't know is how does Marcus Freeman feel about captains? Is he one of those guys that's just like handing out C's to everybody? Or is he more like, hey, you know, two one and two on the other? I'm going to take the under. I, I don't, I'm going to take the under on the defensive side. I I think I'm also going to take the under just because I don't – I mean, I, I, I like you said, I want to see how many captains – there are to begin with right if you tell me that there's six if there's six captains then i consider the over here especially you count bo as a defensive captain i mean yeah i I would i would call him defense yeah so yeah yeah. so it's a tough one that's a good question though gary it's a really good question and we're gonna know you know we're gonna learn things about marcus freeman a lot right you know Mm -hmm. as as different things happen but captains is one of those things that's a that's a head coach thing you know not every head coach wants to have eight captains that's weird. I'm sorry. Eight captains is weird. I I don't know. I I've, I've I never. Like, been a fan I used to like two, man. I used to like right. two, just an offensive and defensive captain. Yeah. That's it. You know, like exactly. So. I, I've never understood the multiplicity. I'll use that word again. Like uh, it. captains it doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. It's an honor. It should. If something is an honor, in my opinion, it should be for a select group of people. Sure. Well, yeah. I used to, I remember when I was in high school, I was a captain senior year. And I remember we all, we always had four every single year. And sometimes okay. it was less if there weren't four that were deserving, yes. you know? So it was an honor. Like if you yes. made, like they would never go more than what they had. And four was the absolute limit, Right. So I, I like, I think so too, because I think that stuff really does matter. So right. I agree with you in that sense. Absolutely. Kyle Barry with a question. Biggest question for Al Golden in the Notre Dame defense in game one. Can Foskey, Adam Alola, Mills, and company get the same type of pressure on Stroud that Michigan did with Hutchinson and Ajabo? I think every concern that we have with the secondary right now, right? And we talked about the corner opposite Cam Hart and the, the safety position opposite Brandon Joseph and trying to figure those things out. I feel like, Kyle, that 
a great pass rush can help those things very early on. Right. So I, I, I don't know if I would say it's the biggest question, but I would say that it would help everything. It would help quiet the questions yes. in my opinion. Cause I, 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 I find it very unlikely having watched Ohio state's offensive line and having watched our defensive line last year. And again, different seasons. So things can change. Sure. But I find it hard to believe that Notre Dame would just be completely quiet from a pressure perspective. Like, I think they're going to have some sort of pressure. I think the question in here is how good the secondary is going to be. That's the question. I think, if anything, the defensive line and the pass rush could be an answer to help the question, if that makes sense. Right. No, makes perfect sense. Like it. David Lowe, does anyone think that this team has a chance of being the best Notre Dame team in the last 25 years? Wow. Wow. So that's so going 20, back to 2007. 97. 97. What? Oh, wait. Right? No. no. 97. 97. Yeah. Okay. I'm older. I'm younger than I thought. That's good. Uh, yes. My math skills fail me. That's why I'm a PE teacher. But so, yeah, since 1997. So we're going back a long ways. I, I ooh. So, I mean, the best teams, right? And I know we do this game all the time. So you think, you know, 2012. 2018, right? It was a good team. I know the Brian likes a lot. Yeah, the uh, what was it? 2000 was it 2005? The Brady Quinn year was it 2006? It was five six. I mean, it was five six. Yeah, yeah. Those are the two years for him, I believe. Uh huh. I mean, could they be? They could be. If 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 they go win, if they go win a Final Four game, then they got a really good. Um, that means they they obviously are probably an 11 win team going in. That means they won their 12th game in the playoff, and they're playing for a national championship, and they're competitive in that national championship. There could be an argument made that they're the best team over the last 25 years, because what have these teams accomplished? I look at it from an accomplishment standpoint, not necessarily. So if we're if we're putting parameters on this question, are we talking just from a roster standpoint? Or are we talking about right. accomplishment standpoint? Right from an accomplishment. I, I mean, I, I, if they win something, then yes, right? Sure. I, I mean, yeah. But if I mean, if they win a national championship, then yes, it's it's hundred percent, right? <laughs> right. Like, obviously, but uh, I, I mean, I would say this, Vince. I, I don't. Th- I think this is a little bit of a cop out to the question. I'll be very honest about this, David. <laughs> but I, I think that this is the deepest Notre Dame team that they've had in a while, from a full yeah. picture perspective. Because I think even a couple of those teams that we talked about, they have they had certain flaws to it, right? From a position group at the top, a position group from depth perspective. I do think this team could be that good because they have a lot of depth. It's just, you know, how good is Tyler Buckner? Can the offensive line figure it out? Can the defense be the standard that we think they can be? Like there are a lot of question marks, but I think they have the talent to. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. Absolutely. And they, look, somebody mentioned they haven't won a bowl game in that amount or, you know, a New Year's Six type bowl game in that amount of time. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if they if they do that, then as a team, they've accomplished more than any other team in the past twenty five years. Okay, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to argue that, right? So, I think it's a really good question, David. Uh, hopefully, it will be, but we'll see what happens. Blaine Tiller, when Notre Dame defeats Ohio State in September, love it. Love it. who do you expect to be the uh, ND defensive MVP? It's a great question. I think if Notre Dame wins that football game, it's going to be because, and I would love to say Maris Loyfowl because that's my answer to everything, but it's not going to be this time. I think that if they are going to win the football game, it's because defensively they put a lot of pressure on CJ Stroud. Yes. So I'm going to pick a defensive lineman 
I am ultimately not going to go like completely off kilter here and pick like a Riley Mills for now. I'm going to go Isaiah Foskey because I yep. think that we have seen him make big plays yep. in big moments and he is incredibly difficult to counteract. And I mean, he could be the difference between strip fumble that completely reverses momentum or, you know, big play and big spot, a sack on third and eight at midfield, you know, as, as time has kind of expired, whatever it is, I think Isaiah Foskey has a propensity to make those types yep. of plays. So I'm going to say Isaiah Foskey is a defensive end. Well, he almost single-handedly won the game for Notre Dame against Oklahoma State. Sure. I did. mean, you know, got that big strip sack and everything. It gave them an opportunity to go down and win that game. Obviously, they didn't. That's not his fault. You know, he makes big plays and big moments. And I agree with you. It The way to beat Ohio State, or if they do beat Ohio State, is they have to get pressure on Stroud. You cannot just let him sit back there and pick you apart. You can't do it. So I I think that, you know, yes, I think Isaiah Foskey is the MVP if Notre Dame happens to win that game. That's that that has to be the case. So this is a great this is a this is a great comment. The Death Star got (laughs) there's a lot of Death Star talk going on in the chat right now because somebody said that recruiting is dog eat dog and Alabama is the Death Star. And then I believe it was Brian that came in and said, or was it you that said the Death Star blew up? I said that. You said said that. that. Okay. Which I thought was fantastic. And then, Uh yeah, there would have been more Death Star uh, references, which I think is hilarious in there. Oh, man. This this one's good from Jay, the uh, Bama (laughs) infiltrating the IB network. Yes. It is the trolls coming, Jay. It's the trolls coming, man. Oh, good stuff, everybody. Very, very good stuff. Let's see. We've got another one in here from DMND13. What specific position on defense is the most solid when looking at the two or three deep? I'm tempted to say Mike with JD, Bo, and Junior. Not necessarily the most talented, highest upside, but I think the most solid. That's a good question. I think... Very good question. I... So, I mean, like, just top two, I would say Viper, right? I mean, because you're looking at... Foskey and Adamola. Yeah, F- J- Justin Adamola as the backup yeah. Viper. We're talking about him so much that like they need to find another role for him outside of just being the backup Viper, right? So good point. That's a two. Mike is good. I I, I think that's a good one. DM. I, I think that you're talking about JD, who just led your team in tackles. Bo Bauer, who's played a ton of football, and Junior Toya Lamaca, who was fantastic. In the We're spring. all high on, obviously. Right. Yeah, that's that's another good one. But I, I think I would go with Viper. I think that it's a it's a two versus three combinate uh, conversation, but I mean, having, <laughs> having Justin Adam Alola as your backup Viper is a pretty darn good. Yeah. Player. That's a really good one. Uh, are we only talking? Yeah. We're only talking defense. So j- to be different, I will say will, because I think, you know, you've got a really good starter, obviously in Marist, and then you've got Prince Collie behind him who we're all very high on as well. And he seems to have gotten a little bit forgotten based on the awesome class that just came in at linebacker. Uh, but I, I, but his maturation process from last year when he got on the field the first time and looked like a lost puppy to where he was playing with a lot of confidence there towards the end of the season when he would get in, I think he's going to be a really good backup. And I think he's, we're going to feel really good when Maris comes off the field and 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 uh, and Prince is in the game. So to be a, not that I disagree with Ryan's, I think that was a really good one. But I'll I'll go ahead yeah. and say Will just to be yeah. different. I mean, you could also just couple the whole linebacker position together yeah. too, right? And then it's yes, not even could. a conversation at that point. Yes, you could. Yes, absolutely you could. Next question from Blaine. He says, if both play to their potential and the defense plays well, 
Who ends the season with more tackles, Foskey or Marist? I think this is an easy uh, one. Marist, yeah. It's I mean, Isaiah Foskey's going to make a lot of plays, there's no doubt, but a defense is structured to cycle to the second level, right? Like that's where your tackles get right. made. So it's going to be Marist if everything is healthy. The more impactful plays, though, could be Foskey. If you're talking about sacks, tackles for loss, forced fumbles, all that good stuff. But it's definitely Maris if we're just talking about pure tackle numbers. Sure. Absolutely. We are not Marshall. But Vincent Ryan, what opposing teams this year have outstanding interior linemen that could cause problems for our smaller defensive tackles? Oh, okay. So you ready for a brief breakdown, folks? Yeah, I this? am. Because I don't have much to go on here. I have not started looking at all of the competitions. So I will. You hit it, buddy. Yeah, so I mean, I'll just work down a couple of the more the better interior offensive linemen on the schedule. I think okay. at a couple of schools, Ohio State has a guard that is supposed to start this year. I think his name is Donovan Jackson, who is a redshirt freshman. Who I heard, I've been told by a couple of different people that he's a dude. Uh, he has not played much. I don't even know if he played at all last year, but he is a redshirt freshman. He's supposed to be the left guard, I believe, or the right. Guard. I can't remember which one he is, but they have the Matt, the Jones kid coming back at the other guard who's fifth year senior not a great football player but i heard donovan jackson is a is a dude ohio state also has a center named luke whipler who i like a ton he is a younger kid only going to be a registered sophomore but i thought he really kind of steadied that offensive line last year so i like whipler if donovan jackson is what kind of people are talking about already ohio state may have a surprisingly good interior maybe not game one but i think you could have some nice things down the road. BYU has a kid named Clark Barrington, who is an offensive guard who plays um, next to their left tackle, who's a really fantastic player, whose name is escaping me for whatever reason right now, but he's a really good player. But uh, Clark Barrington's a former walk-on, really physical football player. BYU, the rest of BYU's interior, though, is not as experienced as Clark, but he's been playing a lot of football, so he should be a good football player for them. Clemson. Has nobody. I don't even know why I mentioned them for a second. Boston <laughs> College did have Christian Mahogany, but he is hurt for the season. You should not okay. expect him back for the Notre Dame game. He probably would have been the best interior offensive lineman on the field for any team that Notre Dame would have played this year. And then USC has two players, Andrew Voorhees and Brenton yeah. Alon is their center. Voorhees is getting a lot of preseason pub. Good football player. I think Nalon's a little bit inconsistent, a little bit of a, of a, just a, a okay football player that gets a little bit overhyped. So I think Ohio State is the best interior offensive line that the Notre Dame is going to play this year. But overall, it's not a great interior offensive line group across the across all of the schedule. Okay, love the breakdown. Thank you, sir. Very well played. Rob says, Vincent Ryan, even though this is the first game against Ohio State, what is the one thing you want to see with the 22 Notre Dame squad that is the most important factor for continued success throughout the season? So not necessarily saying win or loss in Ohio State, but saying what do you need to see to see success moving forward? I will go, I'll, I'll lead off on this one. I'm going to say that I, I have to go back to quarterback play. I, I have to see Tyler Buckner have a command of the offense. You know, I, I need to see him not just be a passenger on the bus. I need to see him driving the bus a little bit. And driving the bus doesn't necessarily mean putting the whole team on his back and just carrying them. What it means is Tyler Buckner needs to be a guy who's distributing the ball, getting it out on time, making throws that guys in the past weren't making, going through your reads, 
both in the passing game and the run game. I just need to see him have a good, solid handle of the offense and a good, solid handle of the team. Even if they lose against Ohio State, if I see that, I'm going to feel really good about the rest of the season. Yeah, no, that's a really good one, Vince. I would say for me, offensively, it's about efficiency. I think mm-hmm. it's like the biggest thing for me, right? And I I feel better about where the defense is compared to where the offense is just because there's a little bit of uncertainty on offense with the first-year starting quarterback and you know a lot of new position coaches coming in. So we need to kind of see what it looks like from a structural perspective. But I really do like the fact that with Coach Heastand coming back, I think that this team is going to move the line of scrimmage better. I think there's going to be more time passing. And if this team is efficient, there's going to be explosive plays that are going to be made because you have a dynamic athlete and dynamic two-way player in a Tyler Buckner ability to throw the ball, to run the ball. You have explosive players like Deion Colsey and and uh, Brayden Lindsey and Lorenzo Styles and Chris Tyree. There's going to be some chunk plays. But if it's an efficient offense where it's just continuous, you know, you're just getting those chunk plays more and more often then I think that you're really going to you're going to put a lot of defenses in a lot of inopportune positions if you're able to be an efficient offense. No doubt. Love that. Love that a lot. So we were talking about the undersized defensive tackles, right? And that was really bothersome to some people. So Bruce Shear says, could you cross train and prepare Fisher at that big defensive tackle spot? Not to play a lot, but in key spots. No, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I mean... Bruce, could could Blake Fisher play defensive tackle? I'm sure, man. Like he's, he's an athletic dude, no doubt about yeah. it. He's six six, three thirty. He's a good athlete, right? right? So, like, sure. But in you already have a couple bigger defensive tackles that you're hoping take a step up. So, I would rather count on a Gabriel Rubio or sure. a Jason Onye being that guy, right? Like, I I don't want to force because I mean Blake only played one and a half football games last year, right? Like I need him to get prepared to play right tackle this year. Right. Like that's right. going to be the main priority. I don't need to sacrifice any practice time with him playing defensive tackle or practicing in those reps, right? So no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't entertain that personally. If he was my starting right tackle and this was high school, absolutely. Sure. Yes. Not in college. He's going both ways in right. high school. No yeah, absolutely. No Sorry, doubt. dude. Suck it up. You're playing both ways. And I will be the first one to tell you that I don't want any of my linemen going both ways. But when you have a generational player like Blake Fisher, he's going both ways. Okay. Uh, but not in college and not at a high D1 college. There's just sure. uh, no. <laughs> just no. Because I would never forgive myself if he somehow got rolled up on or got hurt on defense Ugh. and he was out on the offensive side. Like I would, I would just go home and just cry myself to sleep like multiple times a week. So yeah, I would not do that at all. Mm-hmm. Kyle Barry uh, projections points per game allowed on defense last year was 19.7. I'm I'm always I'm always an optimist and I always have a little bit of a positive outlook, I would say. So I'm gonna say that it improves, Kyle. So 19.7 last year. I'm gonna say that Notre Dame is at 18.3. And that oh, has no that has no research that there is no research behind that at all. I have not sat down and broken down what I think the potential scores of these games are gonna be and giving you an actual mathematical solution <laughs> to this one. I'm just saying that I think they're gonna be better. That's all. Yes, I think they will be better as well, uh, both from a scoring standpoint and just from a production standpoint. So I will say that it will be lower. Um, 
18 would be great. You know, if, if there's a number that starts with a 17, that would be fantastic as well. I need, I need a decimal attached. When 17.8. <laughs> so I'm going, I'm going half a point better than Love you it. did. <laughs> so I guess we'll see what happens, but no, I think they can be a lot better. And I think they've got an opportunity to face some offenses that are not very good this year. Yep. And mm-hmm. so that'll obviously help that average come way down. So yes, I do think that will be a thing as well. Yes, UNLV and Marshall should help the uh, yes. points per game allow, average allowed. And I Cal, I don't see them scoring a lot of points. Their their calling card is defense. You know, yes. we we could work our way through the whole schedule, but yeah, I, I think they're going to have opportunities to limit the amount of points the opposition is uh, is scoring for sure. Mm-hmm. Chief Brody wants to know: top ten offense plus a top ten defense is that enough to win a title? Is it enough? It, it can be. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on the year, right? I mean, there's going to be some years where Alabama is a top three offense and defense, right? Like a top five offense and defense, like that's going to happen. But like chief Brody, if you would have told me that last year, maybe, right. Cause like, I mean, you're in a year where Stetson Bennett is leading an offense to a national championship. Like it wasn't like Georgia was making their living off of being a great offensive team. They were a great team because they had right. a great defense. So in a specific year, Yes, I think so, but also it's not always a yes. Yeah. So it can change a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think I think you in a perfect world you need to be in the top 10. If you're at 9 and 10 respectively for both, you're going to have a little bit of a harder time. I think you almost you need to be elite, I think in one or the other and then the other one needs to be a nice compliment. So if you're if you're top 10 for both, I think one of those needs to be maybe top 5. Uh, so I would say that now that that means they're both top 10, obviously, but I would want one to be top five and one to be top 10. I think that gives you a much better opportunity. Also like those end of the year rankings, right? Like they can be a little, they can miss some context at times. Right. Cause like, it's like, if I have end up having a top 10 offense and defense at the end of the season, that doesn't mean that maybe I'm not playing at a top five level at the end. Maybe I got in, I improved during the season, right? So I think there's a lot of context, Chief Brody. But, like, again, I think certain years, yes. Certain years, no. Makes a lot of sense to me. Facilitate Inform says, why do players wear those padded helmet things? What are those? Basically like a pillow for your head. It's supposed to prevent concussions, essentially. Yes. I mean, that's... <laughs> I don't, I don't know how else to explain it, to be honest with you. It's it's an it's an extra thing that people are doing to try to help with the head injuries that right. occur. Yes. I think because concussions are a real thing, and the more padding you have on your head, the better off you're going to be. They look absolutely ridiculous. There's no question about that. Teams only use them in games. But I will also say that a lot of seven-on-seven type teams are using similar kind of headgear when yeah. they're playing. Well, seven on seven could be kind of dangerous, man. Dude, you're breaking on a football and you knock heads. And yeah, I have absolutely. zero problem with them doing that. And to be honest with you, whenever we would play seven on seven, we would wear helmets. And even that can get dangerous. It's safer for the player wearing the helmet, but then sure. that helmet hitting other parts of other people's bodies. Taking a knee out yeah. or an elbow or, yeah. yeah right. So the that. padded helmet thing uh, actually is, is better for all parties concerned as far as for seven on seven. But... I don't know how much I trust those things they put on the helmets in practice. I don't know. I've heard mixed things about those, to be honest with you. But that's what they're intended for. They're intended to reduce the injuries to the head. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. Here we go. Archer, a resident Ohio State fan, says, OSU's optimism for improved D is based on really talented young guys and a new defensive coordinator. 
what is the basis for the optimism for Notre Dame's improvement on defense? And he puts at the end, it's a genuine question. Obviously, I'm not a troll. No, we don't think you're a troll, Archer. That is a very legit question, especially for somebody on the outside looking in. Ryan, you want to take the first stab at this one? Yeah, no, Archer, it's a great question. I would say my biggest optimism is that I think Notre Dame already had a pretty good baseline last Mm -hmm. year, right? Like they had a lot of positive signs. They have some very impactful football players coming back, mixed in with a lot of new talent that's also coming in. That gets you really excited. And then also I'm really excited because you're going to have the same – you're going to have this the the person that was calling defense last year is back on the staff, right, in Marcus Freeman. So you have that working for you. Sure. You have Al Golden, who has a lot of experience, has been a lot of levels, has seen a lot of football as a new defensive coordinator coming in. And you have parts of your staff like James Laurinaitis, who's just a grad transfer, who was a great linebacker. And I think when you mix all those things together, right, that's what gives sure. me a lot of optimism. Right. And I, I will also add to everything you just said, which I agree with, I think you add depth and athleticism to your linebacking core, which I think is huge because I think linebacker is a really big part of this defense. Um, And so I like that as well. So a lot of returning parts, a lot of returning pieces, but there's like reinforcements within the depth chart, which I like as well. So that's the optimism. And again, it was a good defense already, but they have a chance to be better. So that's, you know, a very good thing as well. Absolutely. David Knight says at one point in time do you give up recruiting quarterbacks for the for 2023 it's kind of like a tipsy guy hitting on every woman at the bar when he keeps getting turned down great analogy uh david that's fine that's that's a very interesting analogy david um i i don't if if you did get to that point i don't think it's any time in the near future because we've talked about this a ton it's a really deep quarterback class in the 2023 right. recruiting class. And I have an article that's going to be coming out pretty soon about this actual topic, David, where I think Notre Dame is still a really attractive team for a potential quarterback recruit in 2023. I mean, when you take a look at the wide receiver group, the pass catchers, I should just kind of quantify them, the running backs, and con- maybe even continuing to to pump in another running back in Jeremiah Love if he decides for Notre Dame, sure. and a really good offensive line group, I think. So I think that there's a lot of – parts of this team that is very attractive for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I I, th- I do think it's, you got caught in a situation where you rode the Dante Moore train as long as you could. And then you got put into a position where a lot of quarterbacks were already off the board when you had to kind of reevaluate things. Right. So then also Nova Sad was a guy, he decides to stay with Baylor. Now they're looking at Kenny Minchie. I think that this is a situation where you're going to see them be still be very in the quarterback market because I think it would be a shame if you missed on a quarterback in this class because it is a really talented quarterback group. I completely agree. And if it gets to the point where they're just hitting on any quarterback and just looking for a body, then I think you pass. But they're a long ways away from that. They're not they're not just looking for a body. They if they get Kenny Minchie, for example, they think that Kenny Minchie can lead them to a championship. I mean that's how they feel about Kenny Minchie. So they're they're not at a point where they're they're talking about Hey, we just got to bit somebody to run scout team. Like we just need somebody. That's not where they're at. Um, right. If, if it ever does get to that point, then sure. Absolutely. We have, uh, we always talk about how uh, we're a family around here at Irish breakdown. And so I got to bring this one up from Aaron says Albany ND new Notre Dame fan last night, nine pounds, two ounces, 21 and a quarter inches long. Mom and baby are healthy. That's obviously the most important part, but my goodness, that's a big kid. That's a monster, so Aaron. That, there's that's your uh, there's your defensive tackle 
right there, filling up the space uh, in the middle. But congratulations, Aaron. Really excited for you. There's nothing like being a parent. And I know Ryan can attest to that as well. Yeah. Now, Aaron, big congratulations, man. That is a big baby, man. That's that is definitely healthy, man. (laughs) Juliet was only six pounds, five ounces. So, man, way bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, though, man. That's awesome. I think my biggest was nine pounds even. So really? Oh, you had a nine pounder too. But that was number five. You know, they kind of get bigger as you go. Uh, Not counting twins, of course. But sure. um, Yeah, that was uh, that he was the biggest one, but. Oh, that's a big kid yes. right there. So well yes. done. Tell your yes. wife, well done. So well God done. bless her. Yeah, bless no her. kidding. <laughs> God bless her. I know what my wife would be saying. It's got a big head because of you. That's what my wife <laughs> told me. So, all right, moving on. But congratulations, Aaron. John or Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker. Are we still recruiting Jason Moore? If yes, chances of a flip for Ohio State, especially with all the current commit flip talk out of Columbus. Josh, I don't think it's highly likely. I do think that Jason Moore is firm in his in his commitment to Ohio State. I will say yes, they are still going to recruit him and they still are actively recruiting him cuz he's a player that Notre Dame yeah. really valued heavily in this class. So they're not going to just stop calling until Jason Moore right. tells them to stop <laughs> calling, right? right? So and they should be. Yeah, 100%. So they are still recruiting him. I ultimately think he probably stays with the Buckeyes because again, he's getting to know just that family a little bit. They are very, they're very honest and they believe in those relationships. Right. Good. So he, he believed in Ohio state. He believed in the coaching staff they had. So I think that, I think that he's firm to Ohio state for now anyway. And I appreciate that from a family, even though they're not firm to Notre Dame. I appreciate that. That's you make a commitment. You stick with it. I mean, I, I, I do appreciate that. So Jay Henry, do you guys think the crowded running back room at Alabama could impact Love's recruitment? And I know you have talked to Jeremiah Love recently, so I will throw yes. this to you. Yeah, so I'll say this about the Jeremiah Love recruitment. Alabama was, is definitely near the top of the list. Now that Alabama has both Richard Young and Justice Haynes committed in the 2023 class, I do think that's going to be a factor, Jay, absolutely. I mean, but there are still other people at work here, right? Like this isn't a just a Notre Dame, Alabama battle, Texas A&M. He was just there this past weekend. Michigan is a team that has done a good job with his recruitment. So, and I, I put some Intel on the message board. I'm sure you've seen it, Jay, but boards.irishbreakdown.com. I talked a little bit that I, I do think Notre Dame is the leader, but there is also some other players that are coming hard with different angles and different pitches. Sure. So yeah, but I, I do think that the Alabama then having two really good running backs is definitely going to help Notre Dame's favor in that regard. But you also have to remember that Jeremiah Love is a kid that can play wide receiver. He could play safety if he wanted to. Like he's not just the running back and he's kind of been firm on that. But I think especially with the running back pitch, right. if he looks at that depth chart, he's going to be like, eh, why would, you know, that's that's got to be a part of the equation for him. For Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So a lot of the Death Star talks with Johnny One says, if Bama is the Death Star, then Notre Dame is the force guiding Marcus Skywalker in his X-Wing. I love that. That's fantastic. Love it. (laughs) I might might have to go watch some Star Wars. We really geek out. We could start talking some Star Wars here if you wanted to. We should just have a Star Wars watch party one day. So here's the question that I will ask you. Uh Uh-oh. If you are introducing someone to Star Wars, so like a child – Right. Yes. So, so someday your child will be introduced to Star Wars. Right. I would yes. hope so anyway. Yes. 
do you show them to do you show the movies in order the way George Lucas wants you to watch them episodes one through nine or do you show them in chronological calendar order when they came out in the movie theater calendar order so we're going four through six first then we'll go back to one through three and then seven through nine I do think seven through nine was Actually, no, I was going to say they're better than one through three, but like probably not. They were probably, they were both kind of, eh. so um, okay. they have their positives and negatives, but we're definitely starting through four through six because those are the starting with ones, those, obviously. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I was just curious as to, you know, which way you would go with that one. That's that, that seems like the biggest question. And then the diehards are usually exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it does make it very interesting. All right. I had to get that out there. So dorky, dorky Star Wars talk for a minute <laughs> brian kelly's jet stream i don't remember that name that's really good though over under 10 and a half wins this year and that's obviously set at a higher number than like vegas is setting at x i've seen eight and a half i've seen nine and a half i've definitely not seen ten and a half. Ten and a half is a high number i'm gonna say over though because i'm an optimist and i am <laughs> I, i'm very optimistic so yes i'm gonna say over I, you know, it's a really good place to put that number because I feel like the basement for this team is 10, but I feel like they're going to win 11. And so I, I guess I have to say 11 because that is where my gut tells me that it's going to be. But I feel very like if it was set at nine and a half, I'm super happy going over because I don't yeah. think that they're going to win any less than 10. Mm-hmm. Right. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I, I will say the over because I'm also optimistic about it, but that is a really good spot to set this number at 10 and a half, a really I, good spot. I love this chat because now we're just talking about Star Wars. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I, it's I went in order because I want to, I want to see what everybody has to it's, say. It's not a Notre Dame podcast. It is a, it is a Star Wars <laughs> podcast. And some people are mad at me because I didn't talk about Revenge of the Sith as well as I should have apparently, but sorry. It's <laughs> awesome. Oh man, that's good. Ryan Loftus, could Eli Raritan make a change to wide receiver? I mean, could he? Sure, but like you don't need to make the change, right? I mean, he's a he's a tight end that you can also paint as a big slot, and then you can also put out wide at times, right? I mean, he's right, exactly. Six foot, he's near six foot seven, and he's going to be two hundred and fifty plus pounds before you even kind of blink your eyes. So you can departmentalize and use him in different ways. Ryan, uh, great name by the way. But I think that ultimately he's a tight end that can also be detached from the formation. Like you don't have to pigeonhole him into just being a wide receiver or a tight end. It's kind of like the Kyle Pitts conversation from a few years. And I'm not calling him Kyle Pitts. Please do not say that I did. But Kyle Pitts was a tight end that would play in line with Florida. But then also at times he would be out at X and sometimes be in the slot. And there's different ways that you can use tight ends nowadays. Yep, absolutely. I I don't think you need to pigeonhole him as just a wide receiver. I mean, you can use him all over the place. He's a tight end. You can have him in line. You can have him out. You can do – I almost feel like you could do more with him as a tight end than you could as just a receiver. And I guess my other argument would be, is he a game-changing receiver for you or could he be a game-changing tight end? I think that's the difference for me. Answer is yes. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, I'm I'm really excited to see him, man. If he's yeah. fully healthy, which it looks like he is, I am excited to see Eli Raritan this year. Okay, very good. I, I'm a big fan of Eli as well, and the everything we're hearing is that he's going to be pretty darn close to full go come the fall too. So that's yeah. that's exciting all by itself. See, this is what I didn't want to happen. <clears throat> it, it already happened, Vince. Did I'm it? Sure. 
Ryan just said Raritan is Kyle Pitts 2.0. Got it. Yeah, 100% what I said. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, and you're right. There's a lot of Star Wars talking here, which I think is hilarious. All right. Whoops. Didn't mean to bring that up. Apologize. Here we go. The next one. Cameron Ford. I think this is our last one, at least at the moment. Cameron Ford says, if you swapped Ohio State and Notre Dame quarterbacks, would Notre Dame win easily? I wouldn't say easily. See, Look. At this at this moment right now, I would rather have CJ Shroud than Tyler Bunkner. It would not be much of a conversation. Okay, right. that, let's just put that out there for a second. With structurally how this offense wants to run, though, I think that Tyler Buckner's ability as a runner is a big implement. And, and again, like that could change if you have Stroud versus a Buckner, and I get that conversation. But I, I don't think that it would be. An, I think that I think that Notre Dame and Ohio State is a close enough matchup in in other spots where I don't think quarterback is the big decider. I think that it's going to matter in the game. Sure. Point earlier, Vince, like sure, sure. CJ Stroud needs to play well for Ohio state to win. Tyler Buckner needs to play well for, for Notre Dame to win. There's no doubt about it, but it's also dependent on a couple of, a few other things on this team. Like this isn't just going to be a quarterback versus quarterback matchup. Like I think you need right. a lot of different things for it to be, you know, an a, a easy victory. Cause you're, right. especially when you throw in the word easily, it definitely would not be right. easy. Right. I agree with that. I think, you know, look, there, there's there's obviously a track record with C.J. Stroud. He's a Heisman Trophy, you know, favorite, blah, 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 blah. Right. So, of course, I'm going to say that I would take him over Tyler Buckner right now. But I think you make a really good point that I think Tyler Buckner actually fits Notre Dame's offense better than C.J. Stroud does. And I, I think that's a legit point. So, yes, I would take C.J. Stroud over Tyler Buckner right now. Sure. But it wouldn't be a blowout win for Notre Dame at that point. I don't think that's the difference. You I should say I don't think that's the overall difference in the mm-hmm. game. So, yeah, absolutely. We're going to end it with this right here from Mace AK. Brian's Sith name, Darth Recruiting Director. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> I, I just asked in the chat what uh what your name would be and I haven't gotten it. Mace, you need to hurry up, man. What would Vince's <laughs> name be? Um, <laughs> Well, while we wait for that, hopefully it's not R2-D2, which is what uh, Michael Parks just said. That that name is taken. But uh, Vince Vader. Nice. Ooh, I, like I like that. I like that for Robert Bishop. That's nice. That's fair. Vince Vader. That's fair. That's Vinny fair. Vinny Vader? Vinny okay. Vader. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for hanging with us uh, on a Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right? Yeah. Hanging with us on a Tuesday. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the mailbag. Hope you enjoyed the defensive talk because I love talking defense as well he would be darth kane man <laughs> oh that's harsh that is harsh but may k always knows how to get us out of here he says join the message board hit the subscribe button hit the thumbs up button the notification bell share this podcast and leave a five-star review visit the ib store for some awesome merch and as always go irish and don't forget tune in for the ib sports or ib nation sports talk show tonight at six o'clock with our buddy sean styers he will be on with jesse styers tonight so check out the crawl there at the bottom. So make sure you tune in for that as well. We will be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock for some more Notre Dame team talk. So for Ryan, I am Vince, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.